Well, good morning, church, you brave souls who ventured out in the snow, and good morning, church, who are joining us at any one of our many, many sites. You know, one of the things COVID did is it kind of made every church a multi-site church, didn't it? I mean, God says, I'm going to allow them to close your buildings, but I'm going to open up a church in every living room, in every kitchen, in every bedroom. And so wherever you're joining us from and on whatever day it is that you're joining us, welcome. We are now four weeks into this series that we have entitled Shape or Shaped by God. And we have started out every message by saying the same thing, speaking the same truth about God. And here it is. You know, God never makes copies of anything. There are no two trees alike, no two animals alike, no two people alike. When God made you, he made you a unique act of creation. And there are no more copies of that. And we know why, don't we? Because a copy is never worth as much as the original. And in God's providence, you are all originals. We've been unpacking what that means now for the past four weeks. And let me encourage you, if you're just stepping into this and wondering, well, what is this all about? Shape and and and, and God making me an original. Uh, all of those messages and all of the accompanying notes are available online. And today is a great day to stay on the warm side of the window and maybe catch up a little bit on that series. God said, you know, before you were born, I was thinking about the plans that I have for you. I thought it all out. And when I made you, I made you with purpose and intent and design. And he made you in such a way that you could accomplish the purposes for which you were designed. He doesn't want you to be like anybody else, pretending to have abilities and personality and experiences that aren't yours. He made you to be you. And how do we put it more candidly than this? If, if you don't be you then the world misses out on what God designed when he planned you. Here's a key verse, Job chapter 10, verse 8. God's hand shaped me and made me. What an important truth. Would you say that with me? God's hand shaped me and made me. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And, and again, if you're if you're just new to this series, SHAPE is an acronym that we use. Each of those letters reminding us of one of the ways God has uniquely tailored our lives. Letter, a, letter S stands for spiritual gifts. Hey, you're paying attention. Those unique deposits that God brings into the life of a believer the moment that they place Jesus Christ at the center of their heart and of their future, spiritual gifts. The H stands for heart, the, the sort of unique heartbeat of your life. One of the things we discovered looking at heartbeat is it's actually a biometric indicator that's unique to you, even like a fingerprint or a retinal scan. Nobody has a heartbeat like you. What's true physically is also true emotionally. The things that you are passionate about, that you're interested in, that you're invested in, God's heartbeat given to you. Today, we're going to look at the A for abilities. And boy, we got to feast in a bunch of those, didn't we? Those emerging abilities in our young people, those secret abilities coming to life, Oz, in, in the heart and mind of those who, boy, I, can I just say, Oz, I, I have such respect for people who have the courage to create something and put it out there. I, I mean, I just, 
I, I think not only is God honored in that, but we all get enriched. So we're going to look at abilities today. What is it that we do well naturally? You don't even know that you do it well because it comes easily to you. You don't think of it as an ability, but for the rest of us, boy, we have to work so hard at that. What are the abilities in your life? Next week, we'll look at personality. And then the final week, we will look at that complex mix of experiences that you bring to life with you. Relational experiences, uh, vocational experiences, uh, scholastic experiences, good and painful, all the experiences that make you, you. But today, we are focused on the letter A. We're going to look at abilities. What do you need to know about your abilities? Hey, let me show you a couple of important verses from the Bible. Romans 12, 6. You heard this read. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. That's just true. God has given us the ability to do certain things well. There are no, no talent people in the world. Uh, Sometimes people get down on themselves and think, I just, I can't do anything right. That's not true. It's not true. The problem is, most of us know what we're not good at more than we know what we're good at. If I asked you to make a list of 50 things that you are not good at, you could do that, right? It might take you a little bit of time, five, ten minutes, but you you could do that easily. If I asked you to make a list of 50 things that you are good at, I would take you some time. And it's too bad that that it's become that way in our life. The average human human being has between 500 and 800 abilities. Study after study after study has shown this. You have at least 500 abilities in your life, in your body. Most of them you don't even know that you've got. They just come naturally to them. Again, you don't think of these as abilities because they're easy. But people who don't have that ability, we have to work so much harder at it. And part of our job, when we say the church is a family, part of the job of any family is to help nurture the awareness of those abilities in each other's lives. To help understand why God made you to be you. And to unpack everything that he's kind of packed into the suitcase of your life. There are, there are no no-talent people. Everybody has abilities. We all have a shape. Some of you are shaped like athletes. Basketball players, racehorse jockeys, (laughs) no, (laughs) bodybuilders, ballerinas, I mean, whatever we are, uh, we all have different shapes. And your abilities, you know, they're kind of like a map for your life. You you unroll it and you begin to look at it. And when when you have a good understanding of what it is, that comes easily to you, your abilities, I think you've gone a long way towards understanding why God made you to be you. Because God gives us abilities to fulfill our purpose. Show me an ability, and then we'll put our heads together and try and figure, well, what might God want to do with that? What was in God's mind when he gave you that? And notice it, it, it doesn't actually say anywhere in Scripture, and I think this is by design, that God gives people all the abilities they might ever want. I wish I could sing like her. I, I wish I could dance like her. I, I, I wish I could add a column of numbers like him. I, I, I wish, oh, I just I wish for so many abilities that aren't mine. 
But God doesn't say you get any old ability. He says the abilities of your life come prepackaged. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. He wants you to be you. And so that comparison game, that, that just it causes so much headache in our culture and so common. We, we want to be somebody else, and so we wear the shoes that they wear and, and wear the coat that they wear, and we spend a fortune buying those things. And we emulate them in our language and in the way that we, uh, we enculturate ourselves. But all of that is a way of circumventing God's purpose for your life. You give him pleasure by being you. Because he made you to be you. I mean, you can imagine if a great artist painted something on a canvas, and then you came along and painted over the top of it a picture that's already been written some, or already been drawn somewhere else. That's for the artist who made the original. Uh, what a devastating blow that would be. You give delight to God by being you. How is it you decide what it means to be you, the trajectory of your life? What classes should you take in school? What kind of person might you entertain the idea of being married to, if that's something you're, you're thinking about? What kind of career? All of these places, you look at your shape. You begin to unpack these things about you. In fact, we could go through the scripture, it might be a fun exercise, and, and make a list of the abilities that God has said he gives to equip his people. These are not the spiritual gifts. Remember, we talked about some of those two weeks ago. These are just abilities. Here's a very small list, and it's probably you know, 10 times larger than this. But let me, let me read you a few of the abilities that are mentioned in the Bible. Maybe those will surprise you. God gives some athletic abilities. That's in the Bible. He didn't give them to me. But he gives some those we honor him through artistic ability. Some people have that. And we get to enjoy them on Sundays. Architectural ability, mentioned in the Bible. God says you can serve him with administrating abilities. And how we need that. Baking, boat building, candy making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving. That's just some of the things in the list. God gives some people poetic abilities. And Oz, when you set a poem to music, you get songwriting. Farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, all abilities God gives to his people. Masonry, molding, musical abilities, all mentioned in the Bible. Tool making, needlework, painting, planning, philosophizing, video gaming. That, no, I've just... Every once in a while, you just check to see if people are still paying attention. Inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, soldering, tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing, and on and on it goes. All abilities all given by God, all useful for God's purposes. And all of those speak to the purpose that you and I have here on planet Earth. God says, I've given you abilities, study the abilities to understand the direction I have for your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Abilities match calling. My abilities match my call. So it is for you. There are people that every once in a while you hear them say, hey, I feel called to ministry. And usually you hear that language and, and you think, well, this is a person that's, you know, they're a priest or a nun, pastor, missionary. They feel called into ministry. Some people think calling is, is sort of reserved for those, those areas of, 
of employed ministry in the life of some religious institution. But that's not true. I mean, everyone is called by God to serve according to your shape and abilities and your gifts. You are called to salvation first, but then you are called to service. There is a calling in your life. You are God's called people. We used to joke about this around here, but but I had an idea a number of years ago that I would put everybody in the church, everybody who attends with any frequency at all, on the payroll for a dollar. Because it, it seems like the only people when we gather together that we want to hear reports from, how God is working in your ministry, are, are the staff ones. Well, you're all on God's staff. Have a dollar. Let's hear of what God is doing in your life. Let's hear about your calling. God expects you to use the abilities that he's given you. And we're going to look at six different ways that that can happen. So let's uh, make our way through. If you have the sermon notes with you, or if you can call them up on your uh, on your device, I think you'll find it helpful to walk through these with me. Here's the first. Uh, your abilities, my abilities, are used to honor God. This great verse, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. That means any of those abilities that we just listed and the hundreds and hundreds that we didn't, these can be used for God's glory. Whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God, and they are all important. And God save us from the the trap of trying to rank the abilities. Carpentry is as important as teaching. Masonry can be as important as preaching. Managing, just as important as music. They're all important. There are, no, there are no useless abilities. And God says, I spread them out. They're all through the room, and they're all through the people. I spread them out. It means you can honor God by repairing cars. How many of you, we did this in the first service, how many of you long for a God-honoring mechanic in your life? Yes, we have one. He's at the first service. Come next week at the first service, we'll introduce you. You can honor God by balancing the books or by finding people a home. How good is that calling? Or helping them sell it. You can honor God, yes, by making music, but you can also honor God by making meals or managing an office or a million different ways. But whatever you do, you do it for the Lord, for his honor. So that's the first thing, your abilities are a way to honor God. Here's the second. Your abilities are a way to serve other people. Your abilities are not for your own benefit. And this is the place where uh, our, our, our star-oriented generation have really guided us down a, a, a false trail. Because your talent is not about your own popularity. Your talent is for the benefit of other people. First Peter 4.10. God has given you each some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to other people God's many kinds of blessings. Notice what it doesn't say. God has given us some special abilities. Be sure to use them just to make a ton of money. Well, I mean, that seems to be the way that gets a lot of traction in our society. The most talented people get the most money. Wow. That's kind of a, a perversion of the translation, isn't it? God has given you abilities because they're useful in serving one another. Your abilities don't just honor God. They honor the people around you. Nobody's good at everything. I mean, maybe you think there are people that, Nobody's good at everything. You need me. I need you. You need the people around you. Yeah. Hey, if you're, 
if you're feeling in a loving mood and there's somebody there next to you, you can just look at them and say, hey, I need you. I need you. We're better together. I, I, I need you in my life. You need me in your life. We, we need each other. It's why we need small groups in the life of the church, because we need to be surrounded by this family of people who can build us up when we're low and can challenge us when we're sluggish and, 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 can, and can affirm us when we're using what we've got in ways that bring delight to God and meet the needs of others. You want to be successful in life? You do this. You surround yourself with people who know you well. You build on your strengths, and if you build on those Actually, your weaknesses start to become irrelevant. You work in the sweet spot of your life at what you are good at. Nobody's good at everything. In fact, if you want a second rule of success, it's this. You surround yourself with people who are good at the things you're not good at. Get involved in a team of people who compliment you. And by the way, I think that's one of the purposes of marriage. Marriage were put together in ways that are meant to complement each other and compensate for each other's weaknesses. What happens when we don't do that? When instead we spend our time just criticizing each other for our weaknesses? That's not what marriage is for. Hey, you know this, but in case you didn't know it, let's just say it out loud together. You married a sinner. Say that. You married a sinner. Yeah, you don't have to be married to say that. But now say this. She married a bigger one. <laughs> or he married a bigger one. There are no perfect relationships, right? Everybody has weaknesses, and in marriage, you complement each other. Here's a third area of focus. Your abilities are used to make a living. And, and yeah, this is very practical, but it's very necessary. God says, I have given you ability in order to make a living. I don't want you spending your whole life mooching off of other people. Uh, if you can work, work is a gift. It gives purpose to life. It, it, makes, it, it makes your life have traction in the world. Now, there are some people, and in some seasons in their life, they absolutely can't work. Circumstances, illness, unavailability of jobs in the area where you're skilled, whatever it is. But if you can work, you should. Use your abilities to make a living. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And producing wealth is an ability. Some of you are really good at it. Some of you are saying, I, I wish I had that gift. Don't wish you had the gift if you don't have it. Remember, you have other abilities. But can you, can you use your abilities to generate income to provide for your family, and then, um, then we'll get to the other part a little bit later about how it overflows. Some of you have amazing business skills. Um, you're needed in the world. You're needed in the church. Some of you are just revenue generators, and, and you produce the fuel that drives part of the engine for the kingdom of God in the world, and bless you as you do that. Your abilities are used to make a living. Here's a fourth thing. Your abilities are meant to be an example to other people, a witness or a testimony. First Timothy 4, you see on the screen. You put your abilities to work. You throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone can notice your improvement and your progress. Does God want people to see you good at work? Yeah. I want people to see how gifted 
Those are who I created. The abilities that I've given them. I wanted them to see you improving over time, diligently, developing skills. It makes God look good. It makes God people, God's people look good. I think that, that God's people ought to be known as the best workers on the planet. Reliable, hardworking, integrity, dependable, skilled. Should be an example. Whatever it is that you do. Here's a fifth observation. I said we would get to this. My, my abilities are to be used so that I have money to share. Oh, well that's, that's interesting. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Ephesians 4. You know, it's interesting. Maybe it's, it's kind of sobering. How many people are barely surviving today on an income that they once dreamed of having. And they're just, they're barely making it. Their expenses only ever just line up with their income. As the income goes up, the expenses go up. They, they just feel like they're never getting there. They're, they're not happy. They feel trapped. Do they stop working? No. Yeah. They keep working. But, but there, is this, there is this window of, of opportunity that exists in seasons of life. And you know when you're in that season where you're finally able to say, I have enough. I have enough. And I no longer am just generating money for my own needs or the needs of my family. We have enough. And I'm going to start seeing the skills and abilities that I have as a way of generating money that that can be released in ways of, of generosity and compassion. Deuteronomy 15, verse 11. Give freely, give spontaneously, don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing. We're going to come back to that. Triggers God's blessing in everything you do, in all your work, in all your ventures. There are always going to be, Deuteronomy says, poor and needy people among you. And so I command you, always be generous. Open purse and open hands. Give to your neighbors who are in trouble. Hmm. It says there's a trigger there, right? Something gets triggered. You trigger the blessing of God. What is it that triggers the blessing of God? Generosity. You are... People who, we want to be able to say we are, we are men and women after God's own heart. We like to say things like all people are made in the image of God. But what does that mean? That means that, that, that a little bit of the personality and the passion of God ought to be reflected in us. And here's one of the markers. Generosity. I want you to learn to be like me in this, God seems to suggest. Like father, like son. Uh, like parent, like daughter. I want my children to have my qualities, and you are, how can we put this? You are never going to know what it means to live like Jesus until you learn generosity. God says, I want you to be generous. And when you're generous, it triggers God's blessing. Blessing in the life of the people who are receiving, but this is the surprise in your life too. 
you may walk away from situations and encounters where you are called to radical generosity, and instead of wondering, did I really do the right thing? Uh, did I, you know, was that careless or reckless? You just feel this, this rush of God's pleasure in your life, his joy. Here's the sixth reason. Your abilities are, are used by God in order to build up the church. Um, we should say family of God, because build up the church. I don't mean like resource an institution or you know, pay the mortgage. So that's maybe part of what we hope to achieve. But it's to build up the family of God. Ephesians 4, verse 12. Why is it that God gives us all of these abilities, abilities to do certain things well? Is it that God's people will be equipped to do, to do better work for him? Yeah, of course. Building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I, I don't see how. Like all the places where I see people serving the church are in areas of, of ability that I don't have. I'm not a singer. I'm not a talker. I don't play an instrument. Uh, maybe my abilities aren't needed. Absolutely wrong. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I looked this up this morning. The city of Mississauga is now the sixth largest city in our country with 721,599 people calling Mississauga home. That's a lot of people. Actually, this morning, as of this morning, 721,598. Hazel McCallion died. This morning at 101, you talk about a fruitful life, one of God's great servants in our generation. Yeah, rest in peace, Hazel. Uh, 721,598 people, 72 different nations, 53% of the people living in Mississauga are first-generation Canadians. 15% of those have come in the past 10 years. How many abilities do you think it's going to take to successfully engage a city like that? Thousands, thousands and thousands. There is no ability that you have that could not be used by God for that purpose. You're a good negotiator. We need great negotiators. You're a good translator. Boy, we need translators. 72 different nations, remember? You're a deal closer. Boy, we need deal closers. You know how to weave baskets? Come weave some baskets. I'm tired of buying them at the dollar store and knowing I'm subsidizing some third world economy that's keeping people in poverty. Weave some baskets. I don't know. But there is no talent that cannot be used to build up the family of God and build up the impact of God's people in the world. In fact, I think God places within every church the talents, gifts, and abilities it needs not just to survive, but actually to thrive. God governs his people primarily through gifts. And I know we do a lot of work with you know, org charts and hierarchies and committees and positions. And, and yeah, maybe that's important. But the primary way that God gifts or governs his people is through gifts. You want to understand what a church is supposed to do? You do the same thing you understand when you want to understand what a person is supposed to do. Study the gifts. What has God given this church? And do that. And boy, sometimes I think if we were really beating our head up against the wall, trying to do something we can't, we can't find the people. Maybe it's just we haven't raised it up in people and it's there and it's dormant, but maybe it's just not there. 
God governs his people through gifts, and if the gifts aren't there, maybe that's a pathway for another part of the kingdom. Uh, one other word on this. Um, you know, when, when God gives people something, um, an act of lavish generosity, uh, it's also within God's purview to take it back. Uh, and the examples we have in Scripture of, of God doing that are only in cases where the gift is not being used or where it's being terribly abused. You, you remember the, the story that Jesus tells of the talents? We looked at it that last week. And God, God invests in these three servants, and two of them go out and they take some risks and they, and they put it to use, and, and they come back. And I don't even think it's the, the quality or the quantity of the return that impressed the master, just that they, they used it. And he was delighted and he gave them more. But there's this one poor person who, who was so overcome by fear. Fear is one of the great heart stoppers we talked about last week. That they just buried it all in the field and left it alone. And remember what Jesus says to them, take the talent from those who don't use it and give it to the ones who will. God can take it back. To whom much is given, Jesus said, much is required. That's Scripture's version of the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility thing, but, but you get the point, right? If you, don't, if you don't use your muscles in regular exercise, they atrophy. If you don't use your abilities and talents, they just tend to seep away. Employers, if, if you're in that position, if, if you're not finding and identifying and, and mobilizing the talents of your people, you're going to lose them. They're not going to hang out in a place that won't use everything they've got to bring. Okay. Where are we? Quarter after 12. That oh, stops snowing. We're okay for three more minutes. I, I want to give you three ways of putting your abilities to use. The first is you, you do a careful estimation of what it is you've got. This is what we've been doing on Tuesday nights. Uh, we gather together. We've had 50, 60 people come to the room and just do some, some inward searching. Romans twelve three. Try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by light of the faith that God has given you. Do an assessment of your life. Parents, this is one of the number one goals of parenting. Help your kids understand their shape. Yeah. It's why we, we just delight in moments like this. Because you have around this emerging generation a group of people who, who are helping them understand and release the things that God has given them. If you're a good manager, I mean, one of the traits of good managers is always the ability to recognize talent. Parents, you are managers of the talent that is there in the life of your kids. So you do an estimation. What has God given me? Here's the second thing. You dedicate these things intentionally. Give them back to God. Romans 12, verse 1, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service, pleasing to him. Because God-given abilities can be used for terrible purposes. A person who is a great organizer could organize, organize a rescue mission in the wake of a natural disaster, or they could organize a bank robbery. It's important to, to be able to take these things 
and be intentional about offering them up to God. So God, you gave it to me. I offer it to you. I dedicate this area of my life. You estimate your gifts. You dedicate your gifts. And here's the third thing. You cultivate them, which means practice. Practice, practice, practice. Improve, sharpen, develop, cultivate. Uh, Edmund, I watch you go up and down on the keys. And I know you are naturally gifted on the piano, but I also know you spend untold hours in a quiet room by yourself, working and working and working at that. Cultivate your gifts. Any ability that God has given can be increased with use and practice and prayer. Here's this great verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 10. If the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, how many of you think you're sitting next to a dull axe? No, don't say that. If the, if the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. I know we're in an urban setting and we probably don't cord wood in order to get through the winter, but, but if you've ever split wood with a doll axe, you know it will take you ten times as long as if you just spent the three minutes to get out your sharpening stone and get a sharp edge on that thing. You can develop your skills. Hone a sharp edge on these things. That's not just good practice. It's a spiritual investment in what God has given you. Now, you've been really patient today. Let's just, let's just cut to the bottom line on this. God has made this investment in you. He created you. He shaped you. He sent Jesus to die for you. He's made this deposit in your life of, of abilities. What kind of return do you think God is getting on his investment? And to be clear, that's not a salvation issue. Salvation is God's free gift, but... But imagine someday maybe there'll be a conversation and this might come up. Hey, what did you do with those things that I gave to you? Uh, how did you use those things? Did they honor me? Did they serve others? Did they allow you to provide for your needs, needs of your family? Were you an example to others? Did you use your abilities to help people to advance the cause of the church, the kingdom and the world? Did you use them to produce money enough that you had the ability to be generous and give some away. What did you do with what you were given? And I imagine, or maybe I invite you to imagine with me, the words of Jesus spoken long ago, maybe being whispered into your ears as you think about that. When the Master comes back, Luke twelve forty three, when the Master comes back and finds his servant doing their work, that servant will be blessed. And I want all of us to know that blessing. Let's pray for that together. God, we give you thanks in these moments. We thank you for all the abilities that you have given. Maybe some of us, we, we need just to whisper quietly these words. God, we don't even know all of the abilities that you've given to us. But we're thankful for what we know, and we're thankful for what we've yet to discover, and we dedicate those things to you. God, we want our lives to matter, to, to fit the purposes that you have given us. We want to cultivate those abilities. We want to get better at, at what we're doing and who we're being. God, we want to honor you by 
by being the best that we can be and using your abilities to serve others and make a living and be an example, to share with others who are in need, to help our church grow and reach out. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.